welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. So we're getting back into our discussion this, this month. We've been talking about, um, the, about vision. We're talking about God's plan. Not Drake. God's plan for what he wants to do in this house in 2019. And last week we gave the, um, I released kind of the, the vision for 2019 is that God is getting ready to turn Hungry for God into an equipping center. That God's, God's plan for, for Hungry for God is that we are going to be a place where people are going to be equipped and activated and trained, mobilized, every member mobilized into the work of ministry. And that we're going we're gonna to dive a little bit deeper in that because this is very important to God, number one, but it is also very important to me because I believe now that we are, um, as Hungry for God, as we started of, um, as a Bible study, which was literally that, a place of revival, um, a place of empowerment, a place of equipping, um, I think, I believe that it is now time for our church to begin to assemble and begin to um, organize around this mission. Now, this means that it's not going to look like church as usual as what some of you probably have grown up in or what you've experienced, um, but the Lord clearly wants something different and wants something new in our house. Um, I'm not interested in building a crowd that comes on Sundays. I'm not interested in that. I want to raise up a church of leaders who are going to go out and change the world. It's different. Because if the goal is just to draw a crowd and get people to come in, and we just have church, and Sunday is the highlight of our church. Do you know that there's, a, there's been studies where they've shown that the cities with the biggest churches in America, the mega churches in this country, those cities are actually are worst in statistics in terms of crime and homelessness and poverty. Areas with the biggest mega churches. So if God's goal is for us to just have big church, then certainly there should be some type of fruit in the communities that those churches are in. But how is it that there's still prostitution rates that are high right around the corner from some of our biggest churches? <laughs> so we have to change the paradigm that I'm not so excited, I'm not excited about just getting thousands of people to come to on a Sunday to church. What we want to see is how we going to raise up a people that's going to go into the world and impact society, transform culture, see the statistics change in Brooklyn, New York, because our church was here. That we want to measure success not by what's happening within the four walls of our church, but what's happening outside of our church. I think that looks like a church that Jesus has in mind. Come on. So in order for that to happen, we have to now align ourselves according to the vision and the intention of what Jesus had about his church. So I want you guys to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And 
We're going to look at a, just a few verses, but specifically, I want to talk to you today about your purpose. About your purpose. Your purpose is calling you. Your purpose is calling you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is a verse that I want this house to become very familiar with, very acquainted with, because, and today I'm just going to give you guys some foundational teachings on purpose, gifts, and callings. Purpose, gifts, and callings. Now, Ephesians 4, verse 11 I'm going to be reading from the NIV. The Bible says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, gave to the church apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip. Everybody say equip. For works of ministry or for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Now, how many of you believe that the church has some more maturing to do and some much more growing up to do? Okay? And so... For some people who say, you know, God doesn't is not giving us apostles and prophets anymore. The only apostles were the apostles in in um who walked with Jesus, and the only prophets were the prophets that were around before Jesus. But the Bible says He's giving apostles and prophets for the building up of the church. So if the church has not reached a state of maturity and absolute an absolute um the height of its 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 growth, then that means we still need apostles, we still need prophets, we still need evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Amen. He has given us these gifts, the Bible says, so that the church can become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now let's stop. So in this, in this text, Paul eloquently declares the goal of fivefold leadership or the goal of leadership in the church. The goal of, the, of leadership in the church is not to do the work of ministry. The goal of the leadership in the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. One of the biggest deceptions, I believe, that came over the church was that the work of ministry is supposed to be carried out and executed by the clergy. The paid professionals. The few that sits on the pulpits and the rostrums. Who have their golden arches. Who sit on their thrones. And then on top of that, we've not only, we've, we've not only turned that into the, the, the leadership that does the ministry, but then the leaders are being served. As opposed to what Jesus said, that the leaders are to be servants. 
right? Jesus washed feet. Jesus said, if you want to be great, the greatest among you have to be served. And it's important that you recognize that Jesus never rebuked the disciples for desiring to be great. He never said, why are you talking about being great? I believe that it is natural that if you are around Jesus long enough, you will feel great. <laughs> you cannot be in the presence of God like we were just now in worship and still feel inferior. Come on. David hung around, hung around the presence of God so much, he wasn't afraid of lions. He wasn't afraid of bears. He wasn't afraid of Goliath. That boldness didn't come just by him trying to muster up the inner confidence. That came from him spending time with God to the point where his logic was superseded by the revelation of God's dominion, God's kingdom, God's present presence. He is a present help in the time of trouble. Any problem I go through, if I'm aware of his presence, I know that he's present to help. David was so aware of the presence of God that he saw Goliath. But as, as, they, as, as, as Ryan said, when everyone else was ridden with fear and intimidation, David looked at him and said, oh, the Lord delivered you into my hands. Woo. See, when you spend time with God, your problems look like your lunch. <laughs> I came to eat. That line over there, that looked like lunch to me. <laughs> you look at problems, but you're not a, you're, you, the, the conventional way of thinking is how big the issue is, how big this mountain is. But then you, when you're walking with God and you realize that God is bigger than any problem, he's bigger than any issue, God is bigger than any circumstance, you walk to your issues, you know, you say, what's going on? You want this? You want this work? That's how faith talks. Tell the devil, devil, you want this work? <laughs> the Brownsville is coming out of me. That's how I stand, how if you... I don't understand how if you spend time with God, I'm telling you, the Bible says that when, when, the, when the apostles, after Jesus resurrected, the apostles were, were, were walking. And then the, when the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they saw them and they said, we know that you've been with, with Jesus. And they said they knew that he was, they were with him because of their boldness. <laughs> You can't be around Jesus and be fearful, intimidated. You can be around Jesus and greatness doesn't rub off on you. His glory rubs off on you. His strength rubs off on you. His, his sense of authority rubs off on you. That's what happens with intimacy with God. Acts 3, 3 I mean, uh, uh, what is it? Scripture says, uh, one, of those, one of those verses, it's, uh, the Bible says in Jesus, Mark 3.13, Jesus called his disciples to him to be with him, and he gave them authority. Mark 3.13, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to heal the sick. 
And it was just being with him that enabled them to do something that they never thought they could do in their lifetime. The goal of leadership. What is it? Oh, it's up there. Good. Go back. Two verses. Mark 3, 13. Jesus went on a mountain, called to him those who he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they may be with him and that, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So you see the, the, the transition there? That he went and he called them and they first and foremost were simply to be with him. Be with him. That's why we will always emphasize in this house intimacy with God. Thing rubs off time with God worshiping him, being in his word, something rubs off on you. And then as, you, as Jesus begins to share his spirit with you, shares his heart with you, shares his mind with you, then all of a sudden you realize that you carry the greatest force on earth. Amen. The goal of the fivefold leadership, the Bible says, he's, Christ himself gave apostles, some people to be prophets, some people to be evangelists, some people to be pastors and teachers to equip. Now that word equip in the dictionary means, and I want you to write this down, to equip means to supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose. To equip means to supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose. In the Greek, the word equip means to perfect or to repair or to make whole. That shook out to me that to equip in the Greek means to make whole. Part of the process of your wholeness is going to come by you being equipped with the tools necessary for you to accomplish your purpose. That the enemy wants your toolbox to remain empty. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to build something and not have the tools to build it. The Bible says... The fivefold leadership, apostolic, the apostolic leadership, prophetic leadership, pastoral leadership, evangelistic leadership, all of the leadership gifts in Christ that God has sent to us in the form of people. The Bible says that when He raises His people up, they are assigned to equip some to equip you to supply something that, that you're missing to be able to accomplish your purpose. And then he says, this will make you whole. It's going to perfect you. The perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. So the goal of leadership is to equip you. While those who are receiving the ministry of that kind of leadership, the goal of that, your goal is not to receive the ministry, but to now minister to others. Because he says he's equipped you for the work of ministry. So again, Part of your serve others or your, your maturation is in you being equipped to now serve others. And you can actually assess the level of your wholeness 
by the ability you have to actually minister to other people. Broken people are more concerned about themselves than they are of others. But when you are whole, you realize you have more to give. Broken people can love, but to an extent. Broken people have limits to how much they can love. I can only give, but so much. When you are whole, you can love without measure. I don't need your love to make me feel whole because I'm already whole. <laughs> you see? So how I, how I my, my freedom to serve other people actually lets me know how whole I am. How free are you? How hospitable are you? How much room do you have in your life for ministry? Amen? Your capacity. The more loved you are is the more able you are to love others. Very simple. But it's also for us to take a look at ourselves. God is calling you into a life of ministry. You're not just called to have a career. You're not just called to have a career. In fact, I believe the number one reason why more people in the, in the church don't know their calling is because they're so busy chasing or being in pursuit of a career. There's a difference between your calling and your career. Your career is man's invention, but your calling is God's invitation. A career is man's invention. There is no career in heaven. <laughs> God is not, your career is not what you're called to do. You see, heaven knows you as your calling. The earth knows you as your career or lack thereof. But heaven... The earth doesn't care about, I mean, the, the heaven doesn't care about your career as much as it is more concerned about you discovering your calling. Your calling is what God has created you to do. I'm trying to find out my purpose. So people are trying to find, when people come and ask me, I'm trying to find out my purpose. I want to know what I'm, what, what I'm created to do. Usually they're asking that question because they're trying to figure out what career path they should take. <laughs> when they ask that question, I want to know my purpose. Should I be a doctor? Should I be a lawyer? I don't know what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. But I think you're, you're, don't even worry about that yet. I want to backtrack and talk to you about your purpose first. Okay? Second Timothy, watch this, 2 Timothy, no, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, I'm going to get to 2 Timothy last, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says, we are God's handiwork, we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. I want you to see that God, the Bible says that God has already prepared your call in advance. 
what he has called you to do has already been prepared. But again, calling is hard to discover because it cannot be discovered. It has to be revealed. Your calling has to be revealed to you. It's in Christ. And the only way you discover what's in Christ is through revelation. God has to reveal to you what you are called to do. And it's important because what you're called to do is unique. It's distinct. It's separate. It is holy, the Bible says. Second, like, oh, so let's turn it now. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. I'm chapter 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us. He has saved us and called us. Say, I've been saved and I have been called. He has called us to a holy life. The King, New King James Version says, a holy calling. So you've been saved and you've been called to a holy calling. Your calling is holy. You know what that word holy means? It means to be set apart. It means to be special. And if God has called you to do something, I want you to know that God has never created or called something great. It was not great. God has called you to something great. God has called you to a purpose, to a, 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 a meaningful life that's only going to be revealed in him. And but once you discover what that thing is, once you discover what that purpose is, the Bible says, you have been saved and you've been called to a holy calling, not because of anything you, we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Not because of anything we have done, so most people sometimes they, dis, they try to disqualify themselves by being used by God because they think about what they've done in life. God can't use me because of my past. Or God can't use me because what I'm currently in. But your calling is holy. And it is holy because it's not based on anything you want. It's not based on anything you do. He has called you before the foundations of the earth. He has prepared these good works for you in advance. The Bible says the gifts and callings are even without repentance. It's irrevocable. Nothing you do can separate you from your calling. Because it's not based on what you've done. Huh? It's not based on what you've done because of his own purpose and his grace, his undeserved favor. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Hallelujah. Someone look at somebody next to you and say, you are not disqualified from your call. I don't care if you sold drugs. I don't care if you had an abortion. I don't care who left you. If you had a divorce, you are not divided or separated from your calling. Your purpose is still calling you right now. I don't care how old you are. Your purpose is still calling you. <laughs> but what I showed you, there's two things I want you to know about God. Number one, God is intentional. That's called purpose. Write that down. Purpose. Purpose means God is intentional. What is purpose? P 
Purpose is how you are known in heaven. Purpose is how you are known in heaven. Heaven doesn't know you by your career. Heaven knows you by your purpose. Before you were formed, God prepared in advance a purpose for you. See, purpose is what gives your life meaning. When you don't know your purpose, you don't know why you're alive. And you go through life wasting the days, just existing, finding reasons to complain because you don't have a sense of mission or meaning. Without a vision, people perish. That vision is talking about an understanding of your purpose. Purpose is the original intention as to why you are here. Purpose is the original intent as to why you were created. And of course, if God created you, he did not slip into not an accident. That means you didn't just slip into time. You were intentionally sent here on planet earth at the time you were born in, to the family you were born in, to the parents you were birthed through because God had a plan. Because God had an intention as to what you were going to do on this planet. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Purpose implies that there is a design to you and a designer that knows you. It means that there is a design to you and a designer that knows you. This is why we got to go to him to discover who we are. It's the will of God for your life. Purpose. So you might say purpose. Purpose is already in you. You were created with purpose. And so because every single one of us in this room has a purpose and God was intentional when he created you, then you need to understand now that now that he's created you for the purpose, you got to understand what a calling is. Calling means that God is invitational. So purpose implies that God is intentional, but calling implies that God is invitational. It means that although he created you for your purpose, God is not going to force you into your purpose. That's why it's a calling. So imagine that he created you and then he calls you. So you grow up two years old, three years old, four years old, five years old, and God is subtly calling you into a discovery of your purpose. That's why some people can accept the call when they're six. Some people get called when they're nine. Samuel was a little boy and got called. God called him. There are people who rebel against the call of God. They know God is calling them and they run. You see that with Jonah, right? God called him to do a work and he ran. And I really, I really believe that there is a, uh, you know, people talk about the perfect will of God and the, uh, the permissive will of God and all this stuff. You know, I don't, I, I buy it. I believe it a little bit. 
But what I do understand about the thought is that there is, there is room or there was a grace period in which God will allow. It's an invitation whether or not you're going to accept the call or not. Because once again, it's an invitation. If you get invited to a party, you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to go to the party or not. If our calling is an invitation, that means you have a choice to ignore the call or to accept the call. So that's why the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen are the ones who accepted the call. God is calling you. They pick up the phone and they said yes. Those are the few that are chosen. But everyone is called. Few are chosen. Isn't that amazing? The voice of God is calling you into his purpose. And the Bible shows us that there are several callings. For example, we're called to salvation. First thing he does, he calls you to salvation. He calls you to Christ. And the, the Holy Spirit, the, through the voice of God, he tries to speak to us in our dreams. He speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us through apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. He talks to us through situations and circumstances. But God is constantly calling us. And then on top of that, your salvation is a calling and then your ministry is a calling. There are several callings in your life. Some of you are called to preach. You might be called to, to, to evangelize. You're called to ministry. You're called to reveal the purposes of Christ in the earth. Your calling is rooted in what you're going to show the world about Jesus. And the, the fascinating part about that is that whatever it is that you're called to do is going to help point people to who Christ is. Because that's what it's about. When you don't accept your calling and you chase after somebody else's calling, it's like you're saying to God, God, you don't know what you're doing. I prefer to be like someone else when your calling is holy. It's separated. It's set apart just for you, tailor-made just for you, that no one can do what you were called to do. That's why you, diversity and uniqueness and differentiation is so important to the church. Because Paul says it's like being a part of a body, that your eye doesn't have to try to do the job of the heart. And the heart doesn't have to try to do the job of the foot. And the foot doesn't have to try to do the job of the hands. Everyone has a distinct, unique purpose. All 7 billion people on the planet have a unique calling. Can you imagine that? And every single one of us have a different fingerprint. Which means that God wants us all unique. He wants us all different. And for us to leave our own unique mark on the earth. But it's easy to look at somebody else's calling and say, I want to do that. Why? Because if I see someone else, it's something that I can copy. But I don't know what my calling looks like yet. It's a mystery. I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know what I look like at my best self yet. But God wants us to walk it out. And he's calling us to a high calling in Christ Jesus. Now I said... A career is why many people don't find their calling. 
They place more value on what the world thinks about them than what God has called them. I know about people who God called them off of their career and said, I want you to go and be a missionary. I want you to leave that job that you went to you went to you went to university for you went to school for and I want you to leave that behind do this work that I called you to do I think this message should really be preached when people are still teenagers more teenagers need to know this message because I think that you should choose your career based on your calling yeah that education is just simply you gaining knowledge of the world that you're called to influence. You need to go to school. Once you get a calling, because there's some believers that know they're called, but then they don't want to be taught. They don't want to be trained. They don't want to be educated. No, once you discover what you're called to do, you are now supposed to immerse yourself in the realm of what your calling invites you to do. If you know you're called, that's it. You should be reading Forbes. You should be on Business Weekly. You should subscribe. You should be immersed in the realm of business. If you're called to education, you should be reading every education newsletter you can find. You should be studying all the, all the latest trends in the world of education because you need to know how the world thinks so that you can influence how the world thinks. We have ignorant Christians who expect to just say, Rabasandabashi, and that the world will listen to them. You have to talk the world's language. Think about it. Moses was called to deliver Israel from Egypt. And because of his purpose, God brought him directly into the house of Pharaoh, raised him up in Pharaoh's house so that when he's sent back to them, he can know how to talk like them, how to speak to them, and he know how to communicate the will of God in a way that they'll understand it. He trained them. They, he learned how the magicians in Egypt worked. You need to know how the world thinks to influence them. That's why you go to school. <laughs> it's not to let the world influence you. I come, I absorb the information, and I say, okay, this is what philanthropists want to hear. This is what investors want to hear. So you know how to speak their language. Reel them in. God needs doctors who are called to evangelism to enter into the medical world. You see that? God needs to raise up doctors who are called to do the work of an evangelist in the medical world. So while you're in the medical realm, you know how to evangelize in a way that they won't kick you out of the hospital. 
Because <laughs> when you only know church, you try to bring church into the world and they can't receive you. You have to speak their language. Joseph, speak the language of Pharaoh. The three Hebrew boys brought into captivity, but they learned how to speak to Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and the kings then. He, they knew how to minister to them. Daniel, they knew how to minister to people in a way that they'll understand it. See that? That gives you power and it gives you leverage. Some of you are called to the political realm. Some of you are called to the medical realm. Some of you are called to athletics. Some of you are called to, to entertainment and media. But whatever it is you're called to do, realize that your purpose and your calling is greater than your career. In fact, heaven is even more concerned about your character than your career. That matters more to God. What's your character like in your career? Do you have integrity? Do you show people what the character of Christ, what the character of Christ looks like? Are you forgiving? Are you merciful? Are you patient? Are you kind? You see, all these things have the ability to cause many people to come to Christ simply because they see that there is something unique about you. It's your calling that makes the difference. Say, if my calling makes me different. And it may, may not mean you're better. It just means you're different. You see that? What holds people back from walking in their purpose? Number one, disobedience. Disobedience. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience. Number two, what else? Rebellion. Rebellion. People just rebel. I don't want to do what God called me to do. And in fact, some of the reasons why people rebel against the call of God is because the, the, the people who brought them into an understanding of Christ didn't beautify what walking with God looked like. They perverted a calling on their lives. I really believe that when you see people moving in their calling, it's one of the most beautiful things. I say, I want to move like that. The disciples saw Jesus and they said, I want that. I want to live this life. I want to live out my calling. See that? But people rebel because they have bad examples. Number three, unbelief. I think the biggest obstacle or hurdle to people walking in their purpose is unbelief. It's hard to believe in you because there's no other you out there. Because there's no blueprint for who you are, it's hard to believe in you. But that's why we borrow his faith. He says, the faith of the Son of God is how you live. He believes in you. Jesus believes in you. 
He believes that you can change the world. He believes that you can make a difference. He believes that you can leave a mark on planet Earth that the rest of the world is going to, is going to, is going to relish and say, oh, David was here. Ija was here. Sharita was here. Pretty was here. Look at the difference they made. Yeah, you leave a legacy. But the truth of the matter is, you're not going to discover your calling on your own. You need an encounter with the one who created you to have your calling revealed to you. That's why we create atmospheres where people can encounter God. You can read all the books in the world about purpose. You still ain't going to understand it. Until you get into the presence of God. Then it's like the shroud or the veil is lifted. And you begin to see what you're called to do. I told you guys, that's one of the things. When we were doing Hungry for God Monday nights, we spent hours in the presence of God together. And then people came out knowing what their purpose was. I didn't teach on purpose. I didn't teach on that stuff. But it was just being in the presence of the one who created us. He began to make our, our callings clear. We began to see what we were not. We know we knew what we were what we were born to do, and that process is still in unveiling, right now in this house. So I want you to write this thing down, and we're going to pray. God wants you educated in natural things, so you can influence them with supernatural things. God wants you educated in natural things so you can influence them with supernatural things. Because God is the one who called you, you must remember that your calling requires the supernatural to be accomplished. Just to jump back on that career thing, there are people who get into ministry and they call it ministry a career. Your ministry is not your career. It's your calling. And every one of us are called to ministry. Your career requires natural abilities, but your calling requires supernatural abilities. Because what you're called to do is bigger than what you can do in your own strength. <laughs> you're, you're never called to do something that you can accomplish all on your own. Whatever God calls you to do, it's so much bigger. It's more vast than what you have the human ability to do. And when you work for God, it's not a career. It's a call. This is my calling. He called me to equip the church. He called me off of my job. I didn't, I didn't ask to leave my career. He called me off of my job. You see that in the Bible. Peter had a fishing business. Jesus said, leave that behind and follow me. And what he was able to do in the natural, Jesus said, come, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You can't call yourself to do something. God has to call you. 
I said, God has to call you. Don't leave your job if he didn't call you off your job. You better make sure you know he called you to do it. You can't call yourself. You call yourself, you got to pay the bill. <laughs> you got to pay the bill. You got to cover the expenses. But that's why people get hurt because they follow themselves. I can do that too and never take the time to hear the voice of God for themselves. A career prepares you for a job on earth, but a calling prepares you for eternity. Prepares you for eternity. Eternal consequences are on the line. According to your decision to obey your call or to deny it. Heaven or hell is still a real place. And those of us that run from our call, we have to give an account to God for what we chose to do or not do. You're going to stand before God to give an account one day about your willingness to obey the call on your life. But first and foremost, we have to clarify what is it that God has called me to do. When you discover your calling, you start, you start living with a sense of meaning and purpose. Amen? How many of you want purpose and meaning attached to your life? Value. God wants to make his calling known to you. God wants to make his purpose known to you. And he has called us to equip you in the area that you're called. Amen? And I get your career is secondary. Your calling is first. Once you know your call, then you can know what, your, what career path to take. God's not concerned about that. Whatever you're called or whatever your career is, you are called to bring heaven there. I'm going to help you understand it. Whatever you're doing in life right now, you are called to bring heaven to where you are. In school, bring heaven into the school. <laughs> that means introduce your co-workers. Introduce the people that come on your job to the kingdom however you can. It might be declaring good news over their lives. It might mean speaking hope to them if they look hopeless it might mean putting your arm on their shoulder and just releasing words of healing over them when they feel sick and remember there's an anointing on you to do what God called you to do there's a special grace there is a supernatural ability a divine favor on your life to do what God has called you to do so don't worry about what's going to happen. God got you covered. I've told you guys when I was teaching, it was several occasions 
I brought deliverance. I brought healing to my students. I didn't call it that. In one specific account, there was a girl who was doing a fitness test, never told me she had asthma. In fact, she barely participated in class, so I didn't even know what she could do. And we did a, a, a run, a, a fitness, a fit, they call it a fitness gram, where they had to just run as long as they can. And this girl, she was running. I never seen her move like that in all the months that she was in class. She beat all the girls, and she kept running. So everybody was cheering her on, like, go ahead, go ahead. And by the time she finished, she just, like, dropped on the floor at the end. Now, all the kids were doing that, and I used to tell them, don't just fall on the floor. You got to walk it off. So she just fell. I'm like, all right, get back up. Good job. This girl's on the, on the floor, and then she turns around holding her chest. Her face was blue. She was Hispanic, so she was light-skinned. Her face was turning blue. I'm like, what's going on with you? She said, my asthma. I said, where's your pump? I didn't bring it. <laughs> you didn't bring your pump. On the day you chose to do the most work you've ever done in class. Anything respiratory related, you got to call the ambulance. But I knew it wasn't looking good for her. So I told her friend, I brought her, I, I picked her up. I brought her into like the, the um, outside of the door. There was, there was, so it was some cool breeze. I told her friends with her. I said, go and call the nurse. Hurry up, run and call the nurse. Let the, curse, the nurse call uh, 911, call, call the ambulance. So while her friend went to call the nurse, I looked at her. I said, now listen, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, I'm going to pray for you and you're going to be healed. So she was like gasping for air. She said, <laughs> so I put my hand on her shoulder and I commanded the spirit of asthma to come off of her chest. And I said, you will breathe fine. And I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, bring air to her lungs now. Open up her airways. I took authority over that thing. Why? Because my calling is superior to my career. My identity is... No. See, because heaven knows you as your calling, but hell also knows you as your calling. Heaven has a design for your life, but hell has a design to destroy your life. According to your calling. You can hide behind your career, but know that heaven or hell is waiting for you to manifest and walk in the boldness and the authority that your calling gives you. You don't have to settle for what the world thinks about you. Know that the world is inferior to the superiority of the kingdom of God. God is calling you to bring heaven to earth. And your problems are lunch. Remember that. Your problems are practice. Remember that. So I commanded the asthma to get off her chest. I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I was talking to her and the spirit that was on her life. By the time her friends ran back, she said, the nurse is coming. I told her, get some water. So I told the friend, go and grab some water from the water fountain. And she gave us some water. 
And I said, look, she's feeling better now because you got her water. <laughs> I said, the water's making her feel better. Look. And she started breathing and her, she began to now speak words. And then she said, thank you. Thank you for praying for me. The ambulance came. They still took her as protocol. But the asthma attack was gone. You can't be afraid. Walk in love. If you do things in love, if you do it in love, not for show, but you do it because you love and you want to see God move wherever you go, God will give you grace. I don't worry about what my authorities are going to think, what the, what the principal is going to think. Listen, I prayed for that girl. I knew she would be grateful for me praying because if she would have died and passed out, that would have been my job on the line. But your calling covered. Ha! My calling covered me. Your calling will cover you. Your calling will protect you. Your calling will bless you. Your calling will provide for you. If you seek the kingdom first, if you seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, what's right in the kingdom, not what's right in the eyes of man, not what's right in the eyes of the world, but if you seek the kingdom first, all these things will be added to you, church. Come on, say, I choose my calling over my career. I'm choosing my calling over my career. One more time, say, I'm choosing my calling over my career. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands. If you want God to reveal your calling and purpose, I want you to stand to your feet and just begin to say, Lord, open my eyes. Show me my calling. Show me my purpose. Show me my destiny. Come on, cry out, cry out. You need an encounter. God will reveal what he created you to do in his presence, in the encounter. In his presence, you'll find your purpose. In his courts, you'll find your calling. Oh, come on, come on, cry out for 30 seconds. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. He said, if you seek me, I, you will find me. Oh God, show us our purpose. Show us our destiny. Before the foundation of the earth, you prepared good works for me to call, to cry, to, to execute for your glory. You saved me and you called me with a holy calling. A holy calling. He said, seek me and you'll find me. It's amazing how people seek after things and not seek after God. I want you to shift your seek in this new year. When Jesus says seek the kingdom, it means whatever you have, no amount of money is more important than the prize of the kingdom of God. Knowing what your calling is in the kingdom, nothing. How much money have you invested in your career? But how much money have you invested in your calling? 
want you to think about that. How much money have you poured into school? And you poured into bars and conferences to understand your career. But how much have you poured into discovering your calling? How much time have you spent with God and given yourself over to Him so that He can show you what you're called to do? When people want to hide, they'll seek out for the dealer. People will wait on lines for utility, things they can buy that meet temporary needs. But once you discover your call, you, you say, God, I want this. No matter what it is, I want it. Because you're not going to understand it fully, but you have to give God a yes. <laughs> you have to give him a yes. And after you give him a yes, God, you can send me. I'll go. Do you believe God is worth it? Jesus sought you. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I have ordained you. That you will bear much fruit. Hallelujah. Come on, just right now. I want you to think about the sacrifice Jesus made for you. That he said yes to his call. To die on the cross. To give his life. So that you can discover your calling. Everything he did was for you. He didn't do it for himself. Everything Jesus went through was for you. And he's calling you today. Some of you are about to enter into this year full of purpose. You're going to... You're going to know what you're birthed to do. You're going to know what you're called to do. You're no longer going to waste your time, waste your days, waste your years. You don't got to be, you don't have to wait 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Even our children can say yes or a call. At the beginning, I was, I was, I was, uh, uh, what? 21 years old when I said yes. To the calling on my life the first call of salvation 21 18 years old but the call to ministry I was 21 you don't have to wait till you're older you can start now and if you're older you don't have to say I missed it no because he's calling you for a work today amen so right now with your hands raised, I want you to, I want those of you that believe that there's a, you're not certain, you're not sure, you don't know what it is that you're on this planet to do. You want to know your purpose. You want to know what it is that you're sent here to do. I want you to lift up your hands one more time. We're going to ask the Spirit of God to reveal purpose to you. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you that just like you said in your word that you know the plans that you have for us. You know the thoughts that you think towards us. Thoughts of peace to bring us into an expected end. That everyone in this room is standing here in purpose, on purpose, for purpose. That you are intentional 
that when you created us, you had a meaning and you had an intent. But now we know the next part, that you are also invitational. And you are inviting us today. You are calling us today into our purpose. And so, Father, I pray that those of us in this room who had ambiguity and uncertainty in their heart about their purpose, they are going to find it. And they're going to be equipped for it. And they're going to mature in it. And they're going to change the world because of it. Yeah. Come on, open up your mouth one more time. Just say, Lord, I say yes to your call on my life. Come on, I want you to pray that for one minute. Just say, I say yes. I give you a yes. I choose to obey your call. I pick up the phone and I answer yes. Before you even tell me, I say yes. Sometimes it's better to just say yes because you don't even want to know. Just go and allow God out of it. But just say yes anyhow. Say yes anyway. God, I believe that if you called me, if you chose me, that means you see something in me that I need to see about myself. And because you are God, and because you are great, and because you make no mistakes, because you make no mistakes, I have a purpose. Woo! Yeah. Come on, cry out for it one more time. Say, Lord, I want your purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's inviting you into his purpose. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.